We're in John chapter 20, and we'll be there again today if you want to turn there. But we're going to discuss for just a few moments, again, that moment in that room when Jesus appeared, actually seemingly walking through a wall and entering into a room and proving to Thomas that what he had done really happened because he showed Thomas his scars, his nail prints. He still bears those scars. He bears those scars as a memorial of his death. In fact, we're told in Zechariah, in chapter... You got it there? In Zechariah chapter 13, verse 6, we're told, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Here is an Old Testament account, a prophetic verse, telling us that Jesus would have scars. And he still bears those scars. I want to answer that question, why does Jesus bear those scars and what significance do they have for us this morning? Well, number one, I suggest to you that he bears those scars, first of all, as a reminder that he is a God who suffers. He's a God who suffers. Suffering can be a perplexing thing, can it not? Especially even for us who are believers. I mean, I I don't think we're exempt from this. I I don't think we are necessarily, we find ourselves in a place where we don't at times ask ourselves the question that, that why would a God who says he loves us allow so many things to happen to us? Things that are going on in our world today or a loved one who is suffering from cancer or the loss of a child or the loss of a loved one. And in our human minds, we cannot help but to think if God is a God of love, then... And why do humans suffer? But maybe there's a better question. Maybe the best question is not why do humans suffer, but why does God suffer? Let's approach it from that standpoint. Why did God allow himself to suffer? I'm going to take just a moment and show you some verses here on the screen that speak of a God who is in pain. First of all, look with me at Isaiah 42 and verse 14. For a long time, I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. But now will I cry out and I'll do that like a woman in labor. I I will grasp, a gasp. I will be in pain. I will pant. Here's a God speaking of the nation of Israel as they have wandered away. and, And God is hurting because of that. God is in pain because his people have left his will. In Isaiah 63, 9, again, he speaks of his ancient people, Israel, and he says, in their affliction, he says of himself, he was afflicted. And then we find in Ephesians 4, a very relevant verse for us today, that we can grieve God. Because it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And can I tell you something about the word grief? It's a love word. We are vexed because of our neighbors. We grieve over our friends. Grieve is a love word. 
When you truly love someone and, and, they, and they hurt you or they hurt themselves or they're going through something, you cannot help but to grieve for them. And God loves us so much that when we hurt him, he grieves over that. And then we find in Acts 9 verse 4, speaking of the apostle Paul in his conversion experience, he was, it was said, Saul, Saul, God said, why are you persecuting me? Why are you hurting You see, the scars of Jesus tell us that he is a suffering God. And what father would not suffer? What father who truly loves his sons and daughters would not grieve over their wandering? I mean, think of the the example, the illustration of the father and his prodigal son. I mean, do not you think that that son was grieving, was sorrowing, was hurting, was in pain, was in heartache as his son wandered far away? The scars tell us he's a suffering God, but not only that, they also tell us, secondly, he is a sympathizing God. And I'm glad he is. Sympathizing meaning this, that Jesus has been there. He's been there. He knows what you're going through. He feels what you feel. Because he visited planet Earth, and he knows what you feel, and he knows how you hurt. Hebrews 4.15 tells us this. For we do not have a high priest who was unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every aspect, in every aspect. He has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In every aspect, however you have suffered, Jesus says, I've been there. I know what you're going through. Only God can say that because he knows sorrow. He knows pain. We're told in Scripture that he wept. He wept over the loss of a friend. We're also told as he looked over an audience of people who were wandering and sheep without a shepherd, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved to a place of mourning and compassion because the scars tell us that he's entered into a pain, into the pain of man. Why does God allow pain? You ever thought about that? Why does God allow pain? Let me give you three purposes of pain. Number one, I think, first of all, pain has a protecting purpose. It's a protecting purpose. Think about Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17, where Scripture says, Cursed is the ground for punishment's sake. So we oftentimes we look at things that happen to us as punishment, but God says, no, 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 no. The reason, the reason why you're, you're going through that pain is because I love you. You know, pain is protecting. I mean, when you step on a nail, aren't you glad you feel that? I mean, if you didn't, can you imagine the affection that would rise up in your foot? And potentially you would lose a limb because you didn't even know it happened. Yesterday, Brent Leach and I, our our future church member in two weeks, amen. Brent was helping me to move furniture into a a missionary that's moving here from Thailand. And we we worked all day. Thanks, Brent. We worked all day on this furniture and putting it together and tearing it apart. And finally, we were, we were walking the furniture, and Brent took a hard fall, and it scared me. I'm thinking, first of all, man, he's not a member yet. This may really hurt the situation. <laughs> so he falls to the ground, and he writhes in pain. He had sprained his ankle. And immediately, Brent got up, and he began to, to try to walk it out. He said, man, I gotta, the best thing to do is just walk this thing out. He went to his truck. He took... A wrap and he wrapped it around his ankle to secure it 
so that we could finish working that day. It happened early in, in, the, in the day, so we worked several more hours, actually. I, I sprained my ankle after he did, too. We were both two limping preachers trying to... But I thought about it after. I'm glad Brent could feel that pain so that he could, he could brace his ankle so that he could take care of it so that he could keep on doing what he was supposed to do. One of the scariest things about our daughter, our special needs daughter, Glory Ann, is that what comes with this diagnosis of feeling McDermott is they don't feel pain like you and I feel pain. Scary. The scariest thing in the world is to ever think that Glory Ann would be a moment by herself because, oh, she could so easily burn herself and not know it, hurt herself and not know it, step on a nail and not know it. I mean, she has a high fever. She doesn't act like it. She doesn't know it. And she could be dying and not know it. Glory Ann doesn't feel pain like you feel pain, like I feel pain. And it's scary. You see, pain has a protecting purpose. God has built into all of us a nervous system, a response mechanism to respond to the pain because he loves us. Number two, pain has a unifying purpose. I'm I'm, I'm thankful for pain because it brings us together. You know, last week, Sonny Dunn, our dear brother here and our member of our church for 17 years, and I've known Sonny for all 40 years of my saved life. And, and Sonny uh, passed and went over to the other side. He went to glory. And, and, and what I saw happen in that was I saw the love of God so evident. He has a wonderful class that he attended and his wife attended and many others attend over here to my right in the music room. And they attend every morning. They've got a strong class of believers who who wrapped their arms around one another, who loved one another. They, they fed the family. They, uh, Rosemary sang at the home going. I mean, it was beautiful to watch the love of God through that class. Because what happens when someone hurts is we rally together. The best thing I loved about the president's State of the Union address, the best thing I loved about it, was in the United States of America where there is so much division. Most of the political rhetoric, one side stood and clapped, one side stayed seated. But every time somebody was talked about who had been through pain, every time there was a testimony of someone who had died as a result of the North Korean evil regime, every time someone was spoken about who had lost their life, a family member who had, been, who had lost their life in the line of duty, America stood and gave a standing ovation. It did not matter what side of the, of the process you sat on. When we talked about pain, America was united. Why? Because pain does that. Pain unites us. 911 united us. Pain unites the church. Persecution brings the church closer together. Because pain has a unifying purpose. The Bible says that when one member suffers, every member suffers with them. That's why when, you, when you're nailing something and, and you hit your thumb, I know what you do. I, I know what I did, and I know you did what I did. I wasn't there to watch you, but I know what you did. The first thing you did was you grabbed your thumb. This hand said, get to work, buddy, grab it. And then your feet said, dance. And then your thumb said, man, enough of the hand. I need a mouth. And you went, um, and your whole body got involved because one little part was in pain. That's the body of Christ. 
That's how the body of Christ works. In fact, one physician put it like this. I can tell the health of the human body by the way it reacts to pain. And I'd like to say with that physician that you can tell the health of the church by the way it reacts to the pain of its members. My favorite hymn is Rescue the Perishing, Care for the Dying. Because a church that doesn't care is not a church. It's a social club. Why have a church if you're not going to care for people? Why have a church if you're not going to care about the dying and snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus the mighty to save? That, that's my favorite hymn for a reason. Because it's about caring for others. Pain not only has a protecting purpose and a unifying purpose, but thirdly and finally, pain has a correcting purpose. Again, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17 speaks of the ground being cursed for our sake. Because this world has a very serious problem and it can be spelled S-I-N. Sin. This world's been cursed by it. It's all around us. It's, it's, it's even in our lives at times. It's in our family's lives. It's, in, it's, it's at work. It, it's, it's at wherever we are. There is this three-letter word. It's called sin. And, and the pain is there to remind us that, that, that we need a Savior. But what this world seems to think is they don't need a Savior. They need a sedative. That's why people take drugs. To deal. look for drugs. They, they look for a way to, 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 to dull the pain. Alcohol is the same way. People drink alcohol trying to drown their problems only to find out their problems can swim. And they come right back. It's a sedative. It doesn't solve anything. The only one that can solve problem of sin is a savior and his name is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is who solved Janiqua's sin problem and she told us today baptism did not save her. Jesus saved her but baptism said to the world I'm not ashamed of what Jesus did for me. Jesus gives us joy. Joy. Not not drugs. Not alcohol that doesn't bring joy that brings vomit that brings headaches that brings what do they call those things when you wake up drunk hangovers yeah you can tell i haven't been drunk very often <clears throat> never <laughs> but hangovers all of these things that happen and, and, and there's no joy in that come on really oh, it's funny I, I'll, I'll do these homegoing services and and at first you can tell people are, 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 they don't know if they're supposed to be comfortable or not with it. If you've ever been to one of our homegoing services here, they're not like, you know, you don't have to worry about coming in like this. Do I say hi? To, no, no, just say hi to everybody. If they're saved, we're celebrating their life and we're rejoicing there in heaven. So we're at, the, we're at the funeral home, which by the way, I don't like to do funerals at funeral homes if people are saved, but I'll do them all day long. I do them a lot. But they're just, you know, because funeral homes are just sad places. So you really have to go with a different mindset. So we, we, we go and we sing congregational songs. <laughs> and we, we lift up Jesus. And we testify about the goodness of God. Hey, this person is not there, there, there. They're in heaven. They're walking on streets of gold. We want the world to know that Jesus brings joy in the midst of sorrow. 
And the tears that we, that we, that we, that we share or, or that we feel or the emotions that we feel, even the sadness we feel that they're gone is, is completely overtaken by the joy we have that we know where they are. It's unreal. Joy is not there to remove the pain. Joy is there to help us bear the pain. And finally, the scars remind us that he not only suffers and sympathizes, but the scars remind us he is a saving God. You see, those scars came on a cross. He was nailed to a cross. He carried our sins to the cross. He suffered, bled, and died on a cross. Scripture says in Isaiah 53 and verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. He suffered our hell. He suffered our hell. He didn't. He didn't have to. He chose to. He chose to. But isn't that what you would do for your kids? I mean, can, can you imagine if, if, if you were maybe with your wife, and, and let's say you were in Hawaii, and you're on the beach, and I mean, hey, you're having a great time, you're just enjoying the, the ocean and, and the waves, and you're soaking in the sun, and you're having a great time, and you get this phone call, and you find out your child's been in a car accident, and you're not really sure what's going to happen, and, and, and surely, I know what you'd do, right? Only we just, you know, really, wow. Well, listen, I'm, right now, I'm actually on the beach, so what, we're just going to, you know, we've got a dolphin watch tonight. And, uh, and, and, and it, it didn't, just keep us posted. Let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get on the first plane out. And you're going to fly to where they are. Just like Jesus did when he looked down on this earth and saw the problem. And he looked at God and he said, I got to go. Is it okay with you? I can't stay here. I just, I, 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 know, I know it's perfect here. I, I, I know this is the splendor of heaven. I know, I know, I know this is my home, but I've got to leave here because they need me. They're hurting. They, they, they can't make it without me. They can't save themselves. Father, I've got to go. He left heaven. died for your sins and he died for my sins. He loved us so much that he carried that cross to Calvary and died in agony and pain for us. And those scars that Thomas saw say he is a saving God who paid for our sins with his own blood. In closing, I want to answer the question what is a scar? And I want to answer that question by saying this, that a scar is a wound that's been healed. That's what a scar is. It's a wound that's been healed. Let me ask my, my wife just for a moment, just for a moment to come to the stage. And I, I mean, many, many of you have seen it. You probably can't see it from where you are. Now, you're welcome. The funny thing about my wife or the cute thing about her is she... <laughs> She, she loves to show her scar to anyone because, as our video showed, though she was nearly dead as a result of the disease she had, and over and over again, her body would break open and ooze with pus and blood 
And though it was painful and though it was ugly and though she would lose three pints of blood in 24 hours and though she would go from death to life over and over and over again for 19 years, she went through this disease and it left her with scars all down her arm. These are pretty gruesome scars. I mean, they're, you know, they're not, her arm's not smooth. They're scars. They're bumps and lumps. And these aren't the only place they are. This is just the only place that you know, she can appropriately show you. Because these scars are in many places. But listen. They're healed. See, a scar is a wound that is healed. Thank you, honey. And so Carol Ann is, is, is willing to say that, that I'm going to let Jesus, who healed my wounds, use my scars as a testimony for him. And Jesus says to you, whatever scar you have, it may not be a scar that somebody can see. It may be a scar in your heart. It may be a scar in your life. It may be a scar in your emotions. It may be a scar in your background. It may be a scar in your testimony. But, but God says, let me heal that. And then I want you to use that. One of our greatest proofs of our faith is our scars. Isn't that what convinced Thomas to say, my Lord and my God? Wasn't it when he put his finger on the scar? Wasn't it then that he said, oh, that's my Lord. That's my God. So what scars do you have? And are you willing to take this verse on the screen in Corinthians and begin to use your scar? Blessed, you would say, of your scar. Blessed be God. Blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the Father of mercies. Blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our scars, in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction, that with the comfort we've been comforted of, that the comfort God's given us, we will comfort them. Are you willing to enter into that life, into that world? That's a transparent world. That's a world that says I'm not perfect. That's a world that says I've fallen. That's a world that says, as our video said a moment ago, I've made mistakes. I'm not perfect. I, I, I'm not this. And that's why I tell you often, listen, you're looking at a, not a perfect preacher, a broken preacher, a preacher that struggles, a preacher that is not pastoring today because he's, he's highly qualified. I'm qualified scripturally, but I tell you, I am broken. I am hurting. I am struggling. And it were not for a God in his grace. I couldn't be here today. So bring your wounds to Jesus and use your scars for Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Galatians six seventeen, From now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. No wonder he was the greatest evangelist ever to walk planet earth. No wonder Paul started churches everywhere. No wonder he had so many people that followed him as he followed Christ. It was obvious. He bore in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Don't be ashamed of your scars. Use your scars. And so as we approach the Lord's table in just a few moments, just a few moments, as we come to the table and as we, especially today, pick up the bread, which is a picture of his body. 
would you meditate for a moment as you approach the table and would you see maybe a nail scarred hand in that plate and as you take the bread from that hand would you hear Jesus say this is my body which was broken for you every head bowed every eye closed with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as we remain in somewhat of just a a state of of contemplation, meditation, focus. It won't be long before we're partaking together of these elements as God has commanded us to, has instructed us to obey this ordinance. But we're still going to take a few more minutes because I'm I'm convinced that we we also need to have a moment of cleansing and of confession and of just talking to God and telling Him how much we love Him. And I've even seen moments like this lead to someone feeling as if they need to go to someone else and say, I'm sorry, or maybe a husband or a wife lean over to their spouse and say, I love you and I'm sorry. And maybe even a promise to God that because the person is not here that I need to need to say, I'm sorry to I, I, God, I'll confess it to you and say that as soon as the service is over, I'll, I'll contact that person. I mean, maybe there's some things that need to get cleared and cleaned up because we surely want to partake with no unconfessed unrepented of sin in our lives and so take a moment just to do that and just talk to God he's your best friend he's your best friend he's your dad in fact when you pray just 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 say dad hey daddy I love you it's not disrespectful it's what Abba means dad he loves you he wants today to get close to you he wants to comfort you in all your afflictions so talk to him And as they sing this song, there is a fountain. Just come to the fountain today. And if you need to be saved, you feel that liberty to come forward. I'll be up front if you need me. We'll sing through a couple verses. And then I'll give you some instructions on how to partake together as a family. Shall we stand together for just a moment? Make it easier if folks need to come. Stretch out one last time. If you need to come forward, just a couple of minutes you can do that and just come and pray.